Welcome to Bonehead this week. I want to go ahead and thank Brandon Griffith and Nicole Griffith and Adrian for setting this up. This is in conjunction with, is the word conjunction? Function? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Yeah. And, I mean, this is with yes. our partners in Scarefest. And the Scarefest. You could say in partnership. Partnership, in partnership with the Scarefest. The Scarefest has been great to us over the years. I clearly wouldn't have been doing my moderating gig if it hadn't been for Patty and Scarefest. So I really appreciate all their support. And I wouldn't get all those goose pinches from Brandon every every Halloween. So. Uh, yeah, you would have. I know I would have. You're, you're his guy. Brandon Griffith is into the tall bald. This, but we have to thank them because they set this up, and it's, we have a fantastic interview with Joshua Dial from the Tiger King. Joshua Dial was the one who ran the Tiger King's campaign, and he was there two years, Chad? Two years. Two years living on the, I'm going to say the ranch, the nut house, whatever you want to call it. It really probably shouldn't be called a zoo. No. At least not that kind of zoo. The compound. <clears throat> the compound. James wasn't able to join us for this one, but the great thing I was the thing I enjoyed so much about this because I was a little nervous when I admit it up front of how does this go because this isn't normally a bonehead kind of interview, and we didn't want to talk to him about some things that if you've seen the show you know happened that he had to deal with and he was quite open and wanted to talk about everything and there wasn't a shield up at all he was as transparent as possible. So I want to say this may be our most personal episode yet. I mean, he just bared his soul for us. Yeah. yeah, a little more serious, a little more personal, a lot a lot going on here that you haven't seen before. I felt like we knew the guy then. We're a little friendlier now. Hopefully, we can have him back on the show. We've talked about it as things come up in his life. Actually, we may have him back on in a few months. So without further ado, here's our interview with Mr. Joshua Dial from the Tiger King. All right. I have to thank a couple of people who made this happen the two people off the top of my head are Brandon, I almost forgot Brandon and Nicole Griffith's name. You probably should have had the whole welcome to Bonehead thing first. Well, I know, but welcome to Bonehead, and thank you to Scarefest for letting this happen. We have the honor of interviewing Mr. Joshua Dial. Josh, how are you doing today from Tiger hey, Doing fair, fair to middling, as they say down here in the South. That's exactly what we say in Kentucky as well. My <laughs> God, finally. And now pass the gravy. Pass the gravy and fair to middling. We actually were doing an interview with somebody from Australia the other day, and we were trying to describe what exactly biscuits and gravy were to him. Oh, bless their hearts. I <laughs> and he told us we ate shit. And you know what? He's right. We He's right. Do eat shit. My, my but we don't eat Vegemite. My granny makes a, a, a dish that she calls shit on shingles, which is hamburger meat and mushroom soup uh, yep. on a uh, bread. So yep. so I, I eat shit too, I guess. <laughs> a friend of mine is, is from Pennsylvania, and he calls it Pennsylvania, and he he, he, he does shit on a shingle as well. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll have some shit on the shingles any day, any day, all day long. That's Love right. that shit on the shingles. <laughs> I don't even have to have it on the shingles either. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Josh, I, we have a bunch of questions, but we told you this is going to be a conversation. I'm kind of curious, just to get started, can you tell me a little bit about your background as far as kind of where you grew up? How did you get into politics? Because I got to be honest with you, uh, after watching the whole show, Chad, do you want to go ahead and say what you think of Mr. Dial? Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, no, it's not bad. And uh, this was... I I want to state that this wasn't the only per. I'm not the only person who said this. No, um, we both agreed though. Well, we both agreed, and uh, but I had a you know I, I work in a, I work in an office, and we and you know of course 
the Tiger King is the water cooler moment. Right. And uh, you were got the you were the topic of discussion for the most of it. And and the the quote is that Josh he is the most likable guy in that whole show. <laughs> And then Chad told me, he goes, he said, who are we interviewing? And I told him who. And he goes, well, damn it, he's the only likable one. Right. And, and I, get the li- I get the likable thing all the time, but also get quite often, almost just as often, that I'm just as relatable. Um, and I, I find it, like, I, I, I try not to laugh because here I am, a guy with bipolar disorder, schizoaffective disorder, every anxiety disorder that is literally in the handbook and PTSD. And they're like, Oh, I can totally relate to you. I'm like, are you seeing, are you seeing a counselor? (laughs) (laughs) Because that's some questions that Chad and I have is that we actually can't relate to why you were there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I mean, it's the, it's the shiny toy trick. You know, ooh, look at this shiny little toy I got. And in Joe Exotic's case, his shiny toy was, look at this shiny toy. You can live on an actual zoo. Your office can be in an actual zoo. Your office window can have a view of, of, of bears and, 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 and mating season, baby bears and monkeys and play with tigers and look at this shiny toy. And that's how he got all of us there. Um, and I fell for it. I mean... I, 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 thought, I saw it as an opportunity of a lifetime, and it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, and, you know, minus, you know, having to watch his husband blow his brains out, it was a wonderful experience. So, uh, just, oh, and of course, Joe being an asshole, you know, that, that sucked too. But. Now, he's talking, about, he's talking about Joe Exotic. He's not talking about Joe Lewis, Chad. <laughs> I know, but he calls me an asshole all the time. Basically. <laughs> Reverse, same thing, mirror image, everybody named Joe. Bazooka well, Joe, huge dick. Joe's <laughs> a lot, the other Joe's a lot skinnier than me. Yeah, is, is Joe the new Karen? Is yeah. The new I, actually, Karen I actually was hoping it would be Chad, but I haven't told Chad <laughs> this, the, the, the new Karen, the male version was Chad. <laughs> so, <laughs> I got off on a tangent. Back to, so growing up, why were you interested in politics? Because politics is one of those few things that I think I would rather paper cut my gums and drink lemonade than go into yeah so so i'm only 31 years old and um i was one of those weird kids because i was sitting in sixth grade life science class um uh when on september 11th 2001 around nine o'clock meaning uh when that first plane hit the tower teacher turned on the tv and we all sat in class and, you know, teacher included in all with our mouths open, scared to death. Um, you know, it was a horrible accident. And then we saw the second tower get hit, you know, live. Right. Uh, me as an 11 year old boy watching that. I remember just, just, just five minutes within that second plane hitting, um, mainly military, but mainly military families were coming and pulling their kids out of school. Um, you know, lots of people were pulling their kids out of school thinking it was World War III, thinking we're about to go to war. Right. And that night, I went home and I turned on the news. Um, and I started trying to figure out why these people would do this. Um, and since September 11th, 2001, I have uh, watch the news every day. Um, I've cared about what goes on. I remember in 2003, I remember watching the, 
march into Afghanistan, the march into Baghdad. I, I remember all that very well. Um, I remember the 2004 Republican National Convention where um, now pa uh, he's now passed away, but a Republican senator named Zell Miller challenged Chris Matthews from MSNBC to a duel. Um, you know, so I was one of those weird kids that was into this. And what I've noticed since September 11, 2001 to where we are here in 2020 is that every day since that day, we have lost liberty after liberty after liberty. Our government no longer secretly spies on us. They openly spy on us. And I, you know, that's what's kind of shaped, you know, what shaped my career was 9-11. What has put a fire in my belly to fight for the people is to see how many liberties that we have lost, how many lives we've lost, a 20-year war in Afghanistan with thousands of young men dead that should have went on to live wonderful lives, all in the name of what? All in the name of what? Osama bin Laden was killed in, I think, what, 2010? Why yep. are we still there? Why, we are, why are we still there? Why are we sacrificing our people for other people's liberty when, frankly, and I know this may you know, not be politically correct, but that particular region of the world, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, they have lived under dictatorship for 10,000 years. Literally the entire existence of civilization, they have lived under a strong man. And it's so ridiculous that we would spend trillions of dollars, thousands of American lives, hundreds of thousands of civilians in, in a place to, to, give them, to give them democracy when they never have had it, never will have it, and frankly, they don't want it. And, you know, those kinds of things there, along with the Patriot Act, um, you know, uh, what you can carry on a plane, uh, what you can and cannot say on the Internet without getting put on a no-fly list, um, even bring it forward um, to the present um, on, these, on these rallies against police brutality. And we hear the police are flying spy planes over, over the demonstrations. The stuff. They think it's okay because 9-11 happened and we're scared. And they think we're still scared. And that's, what, that, that's why I'm here. You know, I've worked in the Republican Party. I have worked in the Democratic Party. I worked on the Obama campaign. Some of my best friends actually, like, chauffeured Obama. Like, actually just uh, went to Chicago actually to hang out with them for a week uh, last week or a week, two weeks ago. Um, like, actually, like, we're, you know, the people in charge of getting President Obama two places. Um, so I've worked in the Democratic Party and I've worked in the Libertarian Party. Um, so you know, I'm I, I, I yes, I am a card carrying libertarian. Yeah, um, because you mentioned same, it on the show. Yeah, and, and, and but at the same time, I am a registered Democrat because the the, the way I feel that politics is so polarized. Yeah, the Republicans who say all or nothing, Democrats all or nothing, Libertarians nothing or nothing. You know, no government or nothing. Right. And there has to be folks like me who say, okay, I get that it's not, you know, I, I get that I totally get and agree that people should not be locked up in a cage for what they decide to put in their own body, i.e. drugs. Right. Um, but, you know, me and my libertarian view would say, all right, let's work with Republicans and Democrats and free all nonviolent marijuana offenders. And the Republicans will say, oh, no, 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 that's against God. And the Democrats will say, 
you know, yeah, well, no, can't do that. Sorry. And a libertarian say, hell no, we're not going to do that unless you free everybody for recreational meth and recreational acid. You know, so there's no one out there saying, where can we work with the other parties to get incremental change and incremental liberties back and try to gain at least some of the liberties back that we've lost over the last, not only since September 11th, but for the last 100 and 200 years. Yeah. And, that, and that's where I stand politically. I'm kind of a pariah. A lot of people don't like me. They say I'm on the fence. I'm not on the fence. I just understand that if we're going to get something done in this country, we have to work together. If Thomas Jefferson was our, one of the founding fathers, famously said, the first, the first duty of a politician is to get reelected. <laughs> that, 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 that's a quote from the founding fathers. Yep. Um, they understood that we have to work together and, and, and I don't understand why everyone has forgotten that. And, you know, if, if, if I can work as a libertarian slash Democrat to bring about some sort of change at all, any change, then I call it a win. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't know you were going to, uh, that, that one simple question, you are really passionate about this. this yeah, really I'm is sorry, your last work. No, 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 it's, it's, no. It's actually wonderful because it clearly is your life's work. It's not just bullshit. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I care about it deeply. No, yeah, I see like the protests, you know, um, like George Floyd and Breonna Mm -hmm. Taylor, um, Ahmaud Arbery, and I can't even watch the news when these things happen anymore because I'm so so empathetic and I care about our country so much that I just cry. I just cry. I just bawl, just uncontrollably cry when I see what's happened to our country. I love our country. I love this country. And it, it hurts. It does. It hurts. So clearly, you, you, like you said, you have a ton of empathy. And you believe in people having as many rights as possible where they don't hurt others, right? So right, whatever exactly. you can do for yourself, that's you, as long as you don't hurt or harm others and it doesn't cost others money. Right, I understand exactly. that completely. What I'm curious about and I'm jumping a little bit because this isn't necessarily what my next question is going to be, but I think it's a good lead point. How did you do that day in and day out watching all the shit that was going on there? How do you turn an eye to it? How do you kind of ignore it? And how with that much empathy, did it just not rock you or just kind of just one day just roll out of there and say, fuck it, I'm done. It, I can't it put up with this asshole anymore. Yeah, it destroyed me every day. Like to see see the tigers in, in, in small enclosures where they just barely even had enough room to walk back and forth. Or when the the baby tigers, you know, when they were having so many pettings, you know, tiger pictures with right. the babies and it was stressing the tigers out and they would have diarrhea so bad that they would have to continually wipe their rears to the point where their rears would start bleeding. Uh. Tigers, the tigers' asses would start just bleeding. Baby tigers, five months, six month old tigers. Um, there was horrible things, um, but at the same time, when Travis killed himself, there was a bond of the only thing I can describe it as is a bond of pain. You know, I'm I was a sole witness to to Joe's husband's death, right. and Joe lost his husband. And when that happened, there was some type of connection that, 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 that just automatically transpired where I did not want to leave his side. You know, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in spirits. 
Um, but some might say that it was Travis's spirit, you know, trying to, you know, help me get Joe through what he's getting through. Whatever you may believe, there was a bond there, and I could not leave his side. Um, but furthermore than that, um, I had my eyes, ears open all times. Um, and, you know, I was fully prepared at any time to testify, um, you know, for, you know, the government um, as far as the animal abuse came from, you know, if, if, the, if, right. if the Fish and Wildlife came in, I wanted to be someone that wasn't just going to be a yes man like he had uh, all his other employees. I want to be someone to say, yeah, I've, I've worked here. I've seen it. Um, but the other big thing is, is the protection of the party. Um, the, the, he was running as a libertarian and I felt that I had, it was my civic duty to protect the name of the libertarian party, um, by keeping him on track as best he could and not make a complete mockery of a legitimate and the third largest political party in, in the, in the country. Um, so there was several things that kept me there. Because he doesn't have any beliefs, right? It's not like he, he has any dogma or any kind of structure or anything. He's just full of shit. Then libertarian is what he could register as, right? Right, exactly. And run exactly. for governor to get the notoriety for it. Exactly. 100% okay. on the dot. You couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly what happened. No. Well, I, I learned it all from you when I was watching it because you, you speak about it quite clearly in the documentary. Yeah. yeah and, you know, and, and yeah, most of it was my platform. But, you know, you can tell the things that was his platform, like – we had a van and it had all, all his issues and he was talking about raising raising taxes on, on oil companies. Well, that's great if you're a Democrat, but, but we libertarians don't believe, we believe taxation is theft. You don't raise taxes and run as a libertarian. So there's things like that. Um, he, he had another one like uh, a law against cyberbullying, which I find super ironic as he is probably the biggest cyberbully <laughs> I ever in my life. He never stopped. Um, you know, so, so there were things sprinkled in there like that that were not not libertarian things that he had to have in there. Um, but but at, at the end of the day, had I not been there, um, you know, it, it would have been it would have been a mess. He would it have been running as a Democrat uh, in disguise as a libertarian um, who loves Trump. If any of that makes sense. <laughs> oh, I can. I didn't know that he did but I can totally guess that he did. Oh yeah. 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 And that was a hard thing for me as, as, so, as a never Trumper. Um, and I did vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Um, and a lot of people hate me for it. Um, but Hillary Clinton wouldn't have rolled back the LGBTQ rights like uh, Donald Trump has. Right. Hillary Clinton wouldn't have appointed blatantly conservative Supreme court justices like Donald Trump has. Hillary Clinton would have managed this pandemic better than donald trump has well hillary she knew clinton, how government worked right, right. i can imagine well, that joe exotic right. looked at hillary clinton and thought hillary clinton was carol baskins uh to the 17th power uh, <laughs> well you know i have to give a nickel to alex jones for it mentioning his name though but um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't honest, trump, he actually had an info wars bumper sticker that said uh hillary for prison that he got off InfoWars. So yeah, he was one of them whack jobs. Oh, Sorry okay. for all you Alex Jones supporters that may fans that watch this show, but I'm don't sorry. Don't think we have a lot of the them. Gov I don't think we have a lot the, of them. The government is not turning frogs gay. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not happening, guys. There are lots of hills to die on. Big, huge, <laughs> huge hills. 
huge, just magnificent hills. Don't die on the frogs that are being turned gay by the government. Please. Like, there are so many hills to die on. Don't die on the frogs. I don't know. Um, Have you seen the recent news where they're, they're saving that testicle-headed frog? Makes you wonder. <laughs> and this is the America I fight for. And, yes, I know I fight for people like that batshit crazy Alex Jones and even Joe Exotic. I may fight for their right uh, for their rights, but but I mean you know we have a First Amendment. They have a right to go out there. They may be full of shit and it may be dangerous and divisive what they're saying, um, but this is American. They have a right to say it. So yeah. I will I will defend their right to say it. However, I will not shy away from saying they're idiots. Agreed. Like I fight them with Kenneth Copeland. You know I, I'm sure we're all familiar with Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hinn, Creflo Dollar. Oh, uh, Benny Hinn. The, uh, uh, healed. Yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love it. My favorite thing to do when I'm depressed is watch Benny Hinn in his magic coat where he takes the coat <laughs> and wafts it and just, you'll see 50 or 60 people on the crowd. Just go, <laughs> I used to, uh, we, we used to do comedy sketch and I actually had a thing in my, and I, we never really did it, but I used to do this whole thing of me doing the TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. It's all right to covet as long as you covet for Jesus. <laughs> and don't forget that 10%. Don't now. forget that 10%. <laughs> I, I, my favorite thing was the, We're I, getting I, off topic, the I know. Yeah, Creflo Dollar. If the Lord wants to wish me a sixty-five million dollar plane, ain't nobody gonna stop me. What? <laughs> I love I it. Know. Sorry, I'm way off topic. No, and I do apologize to any Creflo Dollar fans that may be out there that contributed to his G sixty five project. <laughs> no, but come on, give me a break. You know, there's so many broken things in America. These people are paying tax free. They don't pay a dime in taxes. They don't report a dime in what they take in. And they have parsonages. Parsonage is supposed to be a residence that the preacher stays in uh, tax free and all that. My uncle's a Baptist minister. Yeah. Kenneth Copeland's parsonage is like a $16 million, millions and millions of dollars, huge residence with its own private freaking airport. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're sitting here like talking about bullshit in politics today. Let's tax these motherfuckers and pay for COVID nineteen pandemic relief. You're not going to get any art. I don't know yeah. if you knew this, but you're not going to get any argument from either one of us. We're both pretty progressive, but yeah. I, I think we're both all about taxation when it comes to some of these people and their billion dollar religious corporations. Yeah. Well, and, you know, my grandpa was uh, on my father's side, was a Pentecostal preacher. So I grew up, you know, watching as a kid all the way to adulthood, the, the, the you know, I don't know what other to call it than, than thievery. Um, you know, taking these people's last, last dimes and saying, oh, well, you, you donate that offering plate instead of going to the doctor and watch your cancer just, just be healed. My, actually, my step-grandmother is refusing treatment for cancer um, because she thinks the Lord's going to heal her. So, in other words, my grandma, step-grandmother is about to die, um, all in the name of God. So, um, that's why I have such hard feelings and such really vehement 
feelings towards religion. So sorry, I got off topic there. No, no, no you're okay. No, I, this is a conversation. We're getting to know each other and we're clearly having a good time. This is probably yeah. slightly more interesting than you thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and plus I got the Mountain Dew to suit me up. <laughs> That's okay. We were yeah. I'm sitting here with Diet Coke and water and coffee. Sponsored by Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, if they would sponsor the shit out of us, we'd take the money. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'd buy a new movie poster. Yeah. No. <laughs> Go ahead, um, no, but you know, we, you kind of just mentioned it about being on the zoo and how the, you know, just the animal care and the chaos, but what was a typical day like there? I mean, it, from the documentary and from what I'm hearing from you now, it just seems like it was utter chaos nonstop. Was there ever a slow day where nothing happened? Where someone didn't uh, shoot a gun or do math? No, not really. You know, a typical day start uh, eight o'clock sharp in the morning. Um, everyone has a meeting out with Joe, um, usually a 10 minute meeting. He usually, you know, cusses people out, threatens people, you know, if the cameras on. No, no, no cameras. No oh, cameras. really? Yeah. No cameras. And, uh, and then he dismissed us. I'd go into, into, into the office and start my campaign work. Um, and I'd just do that. Um, and then at 1130, I had to get up, get a Canon, uh, still camera go out on tour, take pictures of these people, paying to do the endangered animal tour. Um, and I would do the photography for them. So they would buy, be able to buy a, a CD afterwards, you know, showing their pictures. Um, right. Go back to the office after the tour is done, sit down for about an hour um, and then go for the next tour. Cause there's two tours a day. Um, and then once I was done with my tours and burning CDs and, and all the photography stuff, I go back to my campaign management stuff till about, you know, nine o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, thir anywhere between thir 13 hours a day, normally six days a week. Um, you know, the craziest thing, really one of the, one of the craziest things that I even saw, it's quite not as crazy as people think, um, was the craziest thing I saw was Eric Cowie, who was in the documentary, um, the alcoholic with the long hair. Right. Uh, he actually got his finger bit, his thumb bit off um, by a bear. Um, and that, that's one of my questions, by the way, I wanted you to talk about the story about it because you just kind of mentioned it just kind of quickly, but I wanted to hear what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, I was just, I was sitting at uh, tours were over. So I was sitting at the computer doing my, doing my campaign business, you know, doing my own thing. And, um, you know, Eric, that they cut someone come, I can't remember who exactly it was. It wasn't Eric. Someone runs in and says, we need a bag of ice. Uh, we need a bag of ice right away. We need a Ziploc bag full of ice. I'm thinking, oh shit, what's going on now? And and uh, they go they go back out with the ice, and they come back in, and there's a human finger in that bag of ice. Oh jeez. Here comes Eric wrapped up. You know, his whole whole finger just wrapped up with with uh, with napkins and 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 gauze. And I'm thinking, oh my god. And Joe comes in there and says. The stupid son of a bitch put his finger in and the goddamn bear bit it off. And he looks at me, puts his hand on his gun. And he said, he's going to the doctor. And if anyone ever says that it was anything other than a chainsaw accident, you're done for. And, um, yeah, like a fucking doctor isn't going to be able to tell the difference between a bear biting a finger off and a chainsaw cutting a finger off. Um, but yeah, that was, that was probably the, one of the wildest things I've seen. One of the funniest things I've seen wasn't really funny at the time. 
Um, but Joe had this, uh, these condoms left over from his presidential run, right? Right. Well, he ordered them from China and the seals were compromised on probably 80% of them. So <laughs> and about 80% of them, like, you know, they're individual, they look like creamer packets, individual condoms yeah, yeah. Yeah. and the seals were compromised on them. So in order to pick out, you know, maybe five or 10 condoms to distribute, I'd have to pick up about 50 or 60 condoms find which ones the seals weren't broken off. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was since the seals were broken on most of them, the lubrication had leaked out onto oh. all of them. Oh, so man. if Joe comes back to the office and said, Josh, I need a few condoms. We have some fans here that, uh, that want, want a couple condoms. It take me about five minutes to get a wet towel, some spray, spray off the condom, wipe off the lubrication. Okay, that was my fault. We had some internet errors. So where did we leave off? You were talking about the bears. Yeah, bears. yeah. So and then we he put his hand on the, the gun and said, "Yeah, yeah." When when uh, Eric Cowley got his finger bit off uh, by a bear, and then Joe came in, you know, he was like, "You know, this is a chainsaw accident, and anyone says any different, they're done for." Um, you know that that was probably one of the weirdest things that I've seen for sure. Um, I think you definitely top my stories of working in a working in a in an office and somebody having their Civil War era sword delivered to the office and and waving it around. You beat now, me. Now there's, no gun, there's no guns and explosions every day there. So that yeah. so to recap, while we were getting while we're, we're readjust, we you, we were having a conversation, and I made the point that I actually hadn't watched. <laughs> And I made a joke the other day about Lion King. And I, first of all, how many people actually accidentally say Lion King to you instead of Tiger King? Not, not that many, actually. Okay, well, then I'm the one asshole. And I made the joke. <laughs> the part was is that I actually hadn't watched the show till we booked this interview. Uh-huh. And then I got entranced in it. And you laid out this bit of information. And what is that, Josh? Yeah, that is that I, to this day, have not watched a single episode of the Tiger King. Not a single episode. Now, I have a follow-up question, because you were being interviewed by What's-His-Face for Netflix in the follow-up episode. Joe McHale. Joe McHale, yes. I yeah. Care. And you talked about how you the, the documentary got it spot on. Yeah. But you haven't seen it. Yeah, no, and, and what, what he was referring to in the, in the question, and I don't know, you know what got cut out and what didn't, but what they were getting at is, is were the people who were in the documentary portrayed correctly? Yeah. And as far as that, yes, they were. You know, Eric is Eric. Rinky is Rinky. I am me. Saf is Saf. Um, and what they were getting at is a lot of people have said, well, y'all were coached. Y'all were told what to say. It was scripted. And none of that is true. It's not. I mean, when we filmed this, we were all under the impression that this was going to be an independent type film that maybe showed up at, at, at you know some IFC film festival. And it was gonna be about the conservation, preservation of tigers in the wild and, 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 and in captivity in America. Um, and then of course, Joe got arrested and it turned into something completely different. Um, so, you Which know. Leads me to my next question is, were you, did they, did the documentary start after you were already working there? Yeah, yeah. While I was working there, they were already shooting. They actually already shot. shooting. Okay. Yeah, they, they were already shooting. 
um, that actually captured uh, Joe and his uh, husband Dylan's uh, first date together. That was the one of the first times I actually shot was yeah. to a Christmas parade and and so, uh, picked them up. How did that come about? Why did they pick other than he is? I mean, as fucked up as he is, he's a fascinating character. It's it's he's he's cartoonish how he exists. Right. Yeah. So how do you know why they picked him or that, that why it was how that all came about? Because it doesn't really explain in the documentary there. We don't know that much about the filmmakers. And I'm always curious about that because Chad and I both come from the broadcasting standpoint of why this happened. So, I mean, we know a little bit about the, um, I was trying to Rick Kirkman. We know a little bit about his story and trying to do it. Did, uh, did you guys overlap? No, no. I, I, so Rick was there before you. Right, 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 right. Okay. I was just there for a couple of years. You were just there for a couple of years. So yeah. I was just curious, why did they, did you, did you ever talk to any of the producers of the show, the makers about why Joe, why are we doing this? I mean, other than the, because the, I have a hard time believing it was about the conservation of the animals. Right. Well, the, the way I, the, what it was explained to me by the directors um, who I still keep in contact with um, just, just because they, you know, you know, Eric's a good guy, um, and plus, I'd be stupid not to. And they've made you <laughs> um, Is that, uh, you know, Eric had this footage, you know, these guys had this footage, um, all, you know, years of footage, and they sold the rights of the footage to Netflix, and then Netflix then took it and then turned it into what they wanted it to be. Oh, that so makes. Thank you for answering that for me. Yes. Yeah, because yes. I I thought I thought they were the ones who put it together. I didn't realize it was a Netflix thing. No, that they they shot all the footage, did all the interviews, and then sold their footage to Netflix. Netflix put it and turned it into what it you know what we have today. Okay. Yeah, because I was kind of curious about that about you know the fact that so I knew about Joe Exotic. Um, before all this, because he was joke uh, joke material for a morning talk show that I talk about or that I listen to, um, you know, for a, for a, a good month stint there. And this was like two, three, two years ago before, you know, Tiger King was even a thing. That this was an ongoing gag about this guy who hired, you know, this gay gun-toting uh, man who was married to two other men hired somebody to kill another big big cat person so it it's but i'm the what what i'm leading into is like how does it go from you know having this experience in your life being there for the documentary and then that lag of you know not no you know you had one idea of what you thought this was going to be to now you're essentially what is a reality tv star i mean how does that how how is your brain even coping adjusting, with, adjusting yeah. to that it's not it's not adjusting to it at all um you know like i said i, I have no idea um no idea at all but the hardest thing is is the fact that netflix you know they decided to use the footage of travis's accident um and that is something unfortunately people seem to think is funny to meme about and and post you know short little 10 second videos of the interaction about and it's you know part of my language just fucked my world up I can't yeah. go out in public. I can't do nothing. Like my, my, my mental health is, is in shambles. 
Um, my anxiety is so high. If I see anyone with a gun, whether it be a cop or just a, a person, you know, here in Oklahoma, we have open carry. So if you're allowed to own a gun, you're allowed to have a gun, whether it be a PPK, a little pistol, a little pea shooter, or whether it be an AR-15 slung across your back. Yep. It's, it's hard. It's hard to go out in public because I see a gun and I have flashbacks. And, you know, I, I had an instance at the last place I lived where a lady carried a gun. And, you know, first of all, she's carrying a gun. Second of all, she was an alcoholic. So, so there, there's a, you know, there's, there's a couple layers there. But, I mean, how am I supposed to explain to people I can't stand to be around this person because they're carrying a gun? Um, you know, people don't understand that or don't care. Um, and so it's hard. It's hard. Like I still like, am I still in unemployed, you know, can't find a job. Um, it, it sucks. I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to go out in public. I, it, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks. I wish it would have just never happened to me. I really do. So that leads. So to just let our viewers know, one of the things that when we were texting back and forth and you were asking me what this was going to be like, and I said, well, we really don't want to bring this up. And you actually, I don't know that you encouraged it, but you said not, do not, not because Chad and I didn't want to talk about it because we right. both thought this has got to be, I agree with you. And, and as mean as we are to some, and we're really not that mean, we're more just jokative. We didn't want to bring it up because we felt like it'd be too traumatic. And, and on top of that, it's not like you could have stopped it. It's not like it was any, I mean, the, the questions that I, that people ask you have to be asinine. It's like, well, how did that affect you? Well, of course it fucked you up. Of course it sucks watching someone accidentally shoot themselves because they're not, I don't want to call it speak ill of the day, I, but I mean, being an idiot. Right. And on meth and on meth, you know, right. he, he, he was on meth which is a horrible drug. You know, I am a libertarian um, and I do, I don't believe that people should be thrown in cages for what they put in their body. However, I do believe methamphetamine should remain illegal uh, because most of the time, more often than not, um, when people put meth inside their body, they end up harming uh, other people, um, their family and their loved ones. Um, so I do not ever, you know, I, I, I am a firm, firm, uh, uh, advocate against methamphetamine and you know this is going to sound really evil of me but if every single gram of methamphetamine was poisoned without anybody's knowledge right now this very second as I spoke and no one was told about it and everyone that, that abuses meth died I would not I wouldn't cry I'd celebrate that's how much I hate that drug that drug is the reason that I cannot go to sleep at night that's the drug the that, that caused Travis to kill himself. That's the drug that has ruined families, families all across the country, including my own, with, with my own family struggling with meth. I would not cry, not one bit. I would celebrate. I would throw a fucking party. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel about it. Right. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that's, that's intense, but no. that's, you know. no, I mean, you're from Oklahoma and we're from Kentucky and obviously we both know what meth does to community. Yeah especially rural communities. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I've got to, let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, people hate, you said people hate, they hated Joe in Oklahoma, but he got yeah. a pretty big, I was actually impressed for as many votes as he did get. 
do you take credit for that? Because you probably should. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, without me. How many me, votes that, did he get? What was the percentage? Yeah, so, so here's the thing. And uh, I'm not one to, to brag. I mean, I could. No, lie. this is your time to brag. This is. No, 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 no. Let, let, me, let me explain. So, what the documentary didn't make clear is Joe, our campaign, we ran a, we were running a primary, right? Right. right. So, we came, we came in 13% of the vote or 13, 16% of the vote. I think it was 16, actually. Yeah. Um, in, in a primary. Now, how many people were registered to vote in that primary? Only 5,000. So how many people actually voted in that primary? That would be 4,000. So out of 4,000 possible votes, he got 663 votes. Um, so. Man, that's only three votes away from being a, a, a terrible sign. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and I'm an atheist, and that's actually my favorite number. So um, I, that's the only thing I was thrilled about. <laughs> got so close to six, six, six. <laughs> and I, I did that math in my head, people. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, you know, and, and so I will say that just in defense of of the Libertarian Party, he didn't get 13 percent of the entire statewide vote. He got 13 percent of Libertarians. You're right. But the fact that we were able to fool 13 percent of libertarians into voting for this guy, you know, a, a guy that wants to throw people in jail for what they say on the internet, a guy that wants to raise taxes, a guy that wants to raise taxes to increase teacher pay, a guy that wants to raise taxes on oil, a guy that wants to, to, to enact all these laws that are not libertarian. You know, I was running basically Hillary Clinton in Oklahoma. <laughs> and the fact that we were able to get any votes whatsoever, yes, is a, is a major testament. He shouldn't have got over 1%. He shouldn't because, have got over one percent. Because you talk about him being a gay man in Oklahoma and then being yeah. a red state because we're like I said, we're in Kentucky. Yeah. And I was impressed. I wanted to give you props about that. But you're right, the documentary doesn't make that quite clear. No. Yeah, no, it doesn't make it clear, but but you know, still it, at the end of the day, I got him into all the debates, all the forums. He was on stage with Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians. Yeah, um, I got him plenty of, of in in house media coverage. You know, all the local news stations covered him. I got him. You know, took him on trips up to up to Oklahoma City and got in studio interviews. Stuff that you wouldn't think that a, a ridiculous candidate like Joe Exotic could ever get accomplished. I accomplished it for him. Um, and so, so yes, I do want to say that in defense um, and and to make clear. It was 13% of the libertarian vote, but still libertarians are such a hard crowd to sell. It might as well have been 40% of the real vote. I mean, right. uh, the general election vote. And there was one scenario, what we, what I was working towards, um, each state decides, each party decides in each state, whether or not they're going to want to have independents vote in their primary. Democrats, for instance, always let independents vote in their primaries in Oklahoma. Republicans never do. Um, the strategy for me was, and had, had my strategy succeeded, and fate, I should say, not stood in the way, we would have won uh, the, the nomination and went on to be the gubernatorial candidate um, because we wanted independents to be able to vote. That's where all of our support was. We had probably 100,000 people who would have come and voted for us. It was a ton. Really? We had a huge fault, huge huge 
And the day that the, the executive committee of the Libertarian Party met, um, Joe and I had planned on going up there and um, my granny is fond of saying I have a silver tongue. Um, I'm pretty persuasive. And I planned on going up there and lobbying the one or two people that um, were voting to close the primaries to open the primaries. Mm -hmm. um, that morning we were getting ready to go and uh, five minutes later, Travis walks in my office, puts a gun to his head and kills himself. The same morning? Oh my God morning it, so, that's, you talk about a harbinger so so you know call it fate call it god call it call whatever it, uh, you call it karma fate. everything happens for a reason yeah Some, something, something something happened that day that, that's the that, damnedest that day thing. of all days yeah that, that day of all days um and i would have successfully lobbied to have those primaries open um, I, I would have had I been able, but obviously, you know, we, we were all, you know, we we're a mess, you know, because the same, we we're all trying to, I'm sitting here blaming myself for not trying to stop, you know, not trying to stop the bleeding from both temples because it went one in, one in, out the other and into the wall, the bullet did. And so I was blaming myself for not like going up and doing this to try to keep them alive. And then Joe came out and, and cussed me out for not trying to do anything. And, and, you know, come on, you know, I'm an intelligent guy. You, you don't put a 45 caliber to, to one temple um, and, and, and pull the trigger and come back from that. You just don't. There, there's no coming back from that. No, that, no, there's nothing you can do. And, and I know that's, that's, it's, it's very little for a stranger to say to help you, but I mean, there's, you just in a bad, that's just a bad luck. It's yeah. a bad experience. We're surrounded by bad people, which yeah. leads me to my next question is you seem, once again, you talk about being empathetic and you seem like a very empathetic guy, but some of these assholes like Jeff Lowe, uh, this, this Alan Glover, did he not give you just the creeps? Alan Glover threatened my life on multiple occasions. I actually had to carry a knife to make sure that he didn't ever attack me. And Jeff Lowe is a scumbag. Um, but the thing is, Jeff Lowe was at the zoo maybe, you know, once every three months Yeah, and, and he'd stay for like a, maybe a week at the most. And then he'd make enough money, get enough money from the zoo, go to Vegas, spend it on blowing hookers. So I never really had to deal with Jeff Lowe. Did have to deal with Alan Glover. Um, and Alan Glover was a meth addict, uh, an alcoholic, um, and a very dangerous man. Um, but not a hit man. Not a hit, man. Yeah, he doesn't. He he looks more like a a, a murderer of passion. He got yeah. pissed and killed somebody, but yeah. to actually premeditate and lay it all out and go down to Florida and 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 snipe someone, I agree with you 100. percent You're watching it going. That asshole is not that guy. Yeah, not near. Not near smart enough. No, no. not smart enough or calculating enough. Yeah. But that and once again talking about how people empathize with you. That's the one where I have a hard time. It's like, uh, I think I want to run for the hills when this, this crazy son of a bitch is around. Yeah. So, yeah, but I can, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, at this point, I, you know, I had, you know, upwards of a thousand people that, that truly believed in Joe's message, that truly mm -hmm. believed in Joe's politics and my message and my politics. And I didn't want to let them down. You know, I, I felt like I was serving my state. I felt like I was serving my country. 
um, by contributing to the political discourse and making sure these people, because most of the people we signed up, I'd imagine of the 660 odd people that voted for Joe, I probably registered at least half, if not three quarters of those people to vote myself. They yeah. were all new voters. And the burden on was on me to say, am I just going to give up, let Joe hire some, you know, Trumpian uh, bootlicker and, and run a, a Trump campaign for the rest of his campaign and let these people who I've read, I've, I've registered to vote and I've brought into the political discourse for the first time in their life. I owe it to them. I owe it to my country. I owe it to my state. I owe it to a libertarian party to see this thing through. And, and that's what I did. Yeah. So I, I got to ask with, with the Tiger King and the success that it's had, I mean, are you still in, you're still living that general area in Oklahoma, right? Near Wynwood? No, I live up in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Okay. Home of OSU Cowboys. Go Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I was just, sports, but I mean, it's yeah. obligatory now that I live well, in Oklahoma City. We both work at a university and I, there's a friend of mine who's a chemistry professor and she's from Oklahoma and I have to hear about your all's football all the damn time. So I get yeah. it. I, I'm tired of hearing about our damn football too. I was in the band in high school um, and our team sucked. Like we, we went to state every year and they like, like maybe won one game a year. So it was like, like one of them classic, like everyone's here to see the band. So, um, <laughs> so that's the extent of my knowledge of football is is sitting in the stand playing a trumpet and watching from one eye as, as, as it goes on as, as they lose horribly because that's i wasn't in band but yeah i had to i had to videotape my high school football games and we never won a game period <laughs> it's like why am i here <laughs> who's gonna watch this <laughs> but no i was just kind of i was just kind of curious if if with all the fame that Tiger King has has life changed in Oklahoma even slightly. It would have seemed like there had been some craziness going on following that. No, I mean apart from Carol Baskin being awarded Joe's Joe's Zoo, yeah. um, that's really all only thing that's really really happened so far. Um, Do you, you know, have any thoughts on that? Because I was kind of curious about your thoughts on Carol Baskin. Yeah, um, you know, here's the thing: Joe's judgment. Joe was, Joe, Carol Baskin was awarded the judgment um, uh, for Joe to pay because he stole her name, um, you know, Big Cat Rescue, and used it in his own show. Mm -hmm. That's illegal. You, you, cannot, you cannot just take someone's name and use it as your own. There, there's rights, there's a right there. Um, if someone does that, for you to sue them. Um, I can't just, you know, make my own can of, of green pop and call it Mountain Dew and start selling it and not expect right. expect to be sued. Just right. those are those are laws that are there to protect uh, consumers, but also the people who make the products. Joe stole her name. Yep. She successfully won in court a judgment of a million dollars years and years and years ago. Ever since that judgment was made, whether it be his truck, his restaurants, his cell phones. Anything he owns, his house, his bills, he made sure that everything was put in his employees' names or his friends' names so he would not ever have to pay her a dime. So she deserves the zoo. He purposely money laundered for money, laundered money for years in order to get out of having to pay her what she was rightfully due 
Um, so I, I call it justice. Now, did she kill her husband? She she probably she may have. She probably you definitely said probably. She probably maybe definitely may have. She she probably maybe definitely could have probably possibly almost certainly did, um, um, <laughs> or at least knows what happened. But you know, I'm very hesitant to just be on the. She killed her husband. She killed her husband. She killed her husband. Train, um, because what we're going off of is Joe Exotic's word in a Netflix documentary. Yeah. And I have respect for you know I, I I'm I'm not I, I'm an FTP guy as long as a fuck the feds guy I'm also have the same feelings about uh, police know, uh, well, yeah the police sorry didn't want to say it but yeah I'll say it well I just um, wondered our, if, if if people were listening that your FTP meant fuck the police right is that what you're yeah, saying yeah 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 I just didn't know if I needed BPG or anything no no um, we, but but yeah but it like. goes for the police that being said though this is America. Uh, we pay our tax money to these assholes um, to, to investigate these things. If she did, in fact, kill her husband with the, with the technology we have now since Don Lewis disappeared 20 years ago, with trace DNA evidence, with all this stuff, if she did, in fact, kill her husband or had a hand in killing her husband, it will come to light. It will. And, and let the justice system deal with it. My issue in going around and just incontrovertibly stating that she killed her husband just because I watched something on Netflix is right. what if someone takes my word or Joe's word or any of these folks words a little too seriously, takes justice in their own hand and goes and assassinates Carol Baskin. Cause Joe is not uh, the only crazy son of a bitch out there. No, he's not. And, and Carol's crazy. Pro- she's crazy bitch too. She's a crazy bitch too. They're but does crazy. that mean she deserves to die just because, you know, a Netflix documentary um, you know, does that mean she deserves to have her name slung through the mud because a documentary on Netflix said so? Um, you know, I, I feel that there should be someone out there saying, hey, guys, let's take a step back. Let's look at this and let's really think, you know, is this the America that we want where you watch something on Netflix and it has to be true. Therefore, you're going to act on it. I mean, yeah. the lady hasn't been able to open up her zoo, her sanctuary to the public. The lady has not been able to do anything except for cameos um, because that's the only thing she can do is stay in her home and do cameos, you know, and, and send videos to fans. And, you know, it, it's sad, you know, now, now, I, like I said, I'm not saying she didn't do it, but I'm also not saying she did. I think we all need to step back from this and remember that what our parents and grandparents told us, and it's like everyone forgot just because you've seen it on TV does not mean it's true. Well, oddly enough, Josh, I watched the documentary, like I said, and I was sitting in there, especially when they did the whole episode, and you should eventually, I agree, take something and watch it, just because you're in it quite a bit. And I was watching it going, I I mean, is it possible that she did it? But is it also possible that you find out from the documentary that he had a lot of other shady business deals, was flying all the time, unregistered i it's just as likely to me that the sob had a business deal that went south literally and figuratively or or found a hot 28 year old you know costa rican mama and that was it had crazy sex until he died (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's shit i mean of course i mean that that seems more likely to me than say she put her husband in the meat grinder i mean give me a break yeah, I agree. I it's 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 good. 
fodder for television. It's good fodder for our brains to think about all the monstrosities out right. there to make up stories. It's the same thing as gossip. It's all it is is gossip, and we don't know. Uh, <laughs> I equate it with ancient aliens from the History Channel. Be right. Cool, awesome, and amazing if it was true. But at the end of the day, it's TV. And how many seasons are they going to make of this show where they say the same shit every episode? They'll make as many seasons as people keep tuning in. <laughs> Which leads me to something else that I want to talk to you about. And it's, okay. it's probably more of the morals of this. <clears throat> so I'd actually been the Big Cat Rescue before I knew any of this other shit way back um, years uh-huh. ago. Our other person who usually does Bonehead with us, James and I, were there in Tampa I may be an odds and I may have met Carol. I don't remember, but you talk about this a little bit in your, in the, in, during your interviews about doc is doc Annal, right? Whatever it is. Doc the guy, Annal, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Carol and there, you say they're just as bad. And I think you're right. Yeah. If not what, and she may be slightly, well, I don't know that she's worse, but I think you're right that it's all about one thing. And what is that one thing, Josh? Money. Money. That's it. Oh, yeah. Money, 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 money. And, and, and I, like I said, since I haven't watched the documentary, I don't know what got in there. But one of, the, one of the things I really, really, really begged them to put in there was of the, of the 20 years of, 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 of all the time, all the volunteers, all the effort, all the, all the lawsuits, all the millions and millions of dollars, yep. all the people in jail. And these people claim to care about the animals. You know, they have spent millions. She has spent people like Carol have spent millions of dollars over the years just to put Joe Exotic in in, in prison. And, and and you know, she could spend half that and and create a tiger preserve in India. Um, you know, this is just, if this is truly about the animals, why are we spending millions of dollars and wasting half of our lives picking out personal fights? Of course, it's not about the animals. It's about the money. It's all about the money. So literally three sentences. Can I read it to you? All my questions. You said these folks could take the money and have done some good things in actual wild for tigers. A good and noble fight to stop cub selling. Yeah. Millions of dollars that could have saved these tigers in their natural habitats. And we have lost sight of what really matters. It's in the documentary. It's right there. Because I actually took the time earlier today to make, to write down at not all of your quote, but it's as, as short as as succinct as possible because it actually stayed with me. And back to what Chad said earlier of why you're one of the few people in there that I can actually empathize and, and not feel sorry for, but go, I, I get it. These, do you think at any time Joe meant to do the right thing? What as a beginning, as so? the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when it was, you know, his first animal he rescued was like a deer, I think. And, and then, you know, it kind of spiraled from there. I, I, and I don't, I can't be, I'm not the person to be able to tell you, you know. No, it, that's okay. X year, you know, he, he, he stopped. I think probably when he started doing his magic and got that taste of power. Um, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I mean, I'm wearing my uh, Snow Trooper. Um, Do you see the uh, chef, or, the shelf behind yeah. me there with all of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, my favorite one, my favorite character is Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. And, and this is one of my favorite quotes. And it's, all who gain power are afraid to lose it, even the Jedi. 
Um, and I would just replace Jedi with Joe Exotic. He got a taste of power and he was afraid to lose it. Um, and, you know, the only thing he was afraid of um, was losing his power, which eventually, of course, he did. Um, and and I, know, I know that's total, like, uh, I hope you don't have to pay like $1,000 to, to Disney per second for what I just said. No, no, but, no, no. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, there's so many things in Star Wars that translate to real life, you know, and that's that, 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 that I can't explain it any better than that. George yep. Lucas hit the nail on the head on that one. <laughs> But absolutely, absolutely. Okay, okay. All right, I have a, a couple more questions. Shad, you got another question ready? I'll go for it. Okay. Um, what's the best and worst thing that we – and you haven't seen the documentary, so this question is kind of hard. But what's one of the best things about Joe that we may not know? There may not be anything. But most people have – you know, most people are good and evil, right? So most of us are just made up and, and and have problems, and that's what makes us interesting, and that's what makes us people. But I wonder what is one of the good things about Joe? Because uh, by the way, I, I can't. I'm not defending Joe. No, I'm no, curious. No, no, and and uh, you know, I can think of. He was a hard worker. Really. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's um, it. That's it. Because, you know, you'll, you'll see folks, you know, and I've even got on my social media pictures of uh, him feeding the homeless and giving blankets and stuff to the homeless on Christmas. Looks great, right? Oh, wow. Joe's such a great person. The story behind that is that he stayed in that limo, made me go out to these homeless folks, um, ask if they, would, if they would mind taking a picture with a gubernatorial candidate. And then I would give the thumbs up to Joe. He'd run, literally run out of his limo with a box of food, posed just long enough, and I mean literally seconds, just long enough for me to take a picture, run right back in the limo. Now I ask him, hey, I'm running for governor, what can I do for you? Is there something, you know, if I make it to the mansion, is there something that I'm gonna be able to, to help you with? What are your problems? What do you see on the streets? None of that. He had Easter and Thanksgiving dinners, but guess what? There was no dinners unless there was cameras rolling and a press release sent out to all the news stations. Um, you know, he opened the park up for free sometimes, but um, not unless there's a press release and cameras rolling. Um, he, he did um, a Make-A-Wish Foundation type of thing where he took baby animals to sick and dying kids, um, but not unless the camera was rolling. And in fact, most of those kids that he did that with are in his music videos. Um, if you watch all his music videos, you can see um, pictures of him, you know, holding giving a baby tiger to, you know, bless their hearts. And I'm sure they've passed, but, you know, three, four-year-old, you know, babies with leukemia and, you know, no hair. And, and it's hard because I work yeah. for a monster. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't but mean I'm even I, I'm even more scared of what would happen if someone who isn't like me that wouldn't have spoken the truth and wouldn't have been out here telling people the truth if they if they would have been there instead and 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 perpetuated the lie of Joe Exotic, which is that he's a good person because he's not. He's not. Anybody who drives around on a limo for fun is not a nice person. Those limos are uncomfortable as shit. 
<laughs> uh, you know, I actually really enjoyed riding around a limo. <laughs> oh, no. And he had a DVD player in it, so I have watched every season and every episode of NCIS. I had to uh, ride in a limo for uh, five hours straight one time. My knee, I could barely get out. My knees couldn't work. <laughs> well, so, yeah, that, that is the bitch, and, and I always stayed at the back of the limo, and Joe always stayed at the front, so I never really could lay down because I didn't yeah. want to lay down body close so close, very close to joe you know right. i didn't want to get fondled or anything <laughs> uh, even though like being 20 at the time 20 but you're not his old, type I, well right because i was 28 so i was about 10 or 15 years too old for him right. <laughs> well so no shit, i'm serious no I, I believe you i believe you told joe McHale that that you were yeah you were way you'd aged out by 10 years yeah he, he liked them young and dumb <laughs> yep Young yeah. and dumb. Um, you were talking about being kind of the, the the speaker of the gods, basically the speaker for some of these animals and some of the people that came and went and were beaten up. So the feds, you said being nervous about the feds coming and talk to you. How much did you talk to? The, I mean, are you able to talk about that of how much you were able to give for the case? Yeah, I I uh, I gave nothing for the case. Um, I told I, I told them that. I, I knew very little um, and that, you know, this, you know, basically when, when, when they, when they contacted me, they told me they already had everything they needed. But if there was anything else that I might be able to add that I either needed to be on team Joe or, or team government. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was scary as hell, but I told them flat out. I said, I don't, I don't want to be involved in this. Right. I said, I'm not going to testify on y'all's behalfs. I'm not going to testify on Joe's behalf. And I didn't either. And Joe's lawyer did ask me and he reached out to me and asked me, will you please testify? And I told him no. And the reason I told him no is because had they put me on that stand, I would have told the truth. And they did not want you telling the truth. truth. No, they, they wanted, yeah, well, I guess they didn't think it through. They thought I would lie for Joe because, right. like I said, the lawyer asked me to testify, and I told him, I said, look, no, I'm not going to do it simply for the fact that I would hurt your case. I would get on that stand, and I would tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I would not lie under oath at a federal trial. Right. On top of, on to, not even considering the fact that this man just put me through hell and, and, you know, basically ruined my life. And I'm still trying to recover from it, you know, years later. Um, so there's those emotions, but also the fact I'm not going to lie under oath at a federal, at a federal trial, not going to do it. It would just hurt him. And, and Joe stopped talking to me once I told his lawyer that I haven't spoken to him since. And hasn't it been wonderful? It has. Um, what, what, what really bothers me is his fans come after me because I do call for clemency. Um, and you know, for those that don't realize there's, you know, kind of two get out of jail free cards, there's pardon, which is, you know, you're free to go. Sorry. And then there's clemency where the government says, well, maybe we're a little too harsh on you. Let's take 10 years off your sentence and you can get out and, you know, be a free man a little bit earlier. I have called for clemency. Why do you think he deserves less of a sentence? Other because, than there's other assholes that were involved in this who didn't go to jail. Right. That, that, that's, that's definitely um, a factor. But my issue is, is I have a problem when the FBI and federal government can put a wire on someone 
And, you know, back in the day, which I'm the only 31, but I'm, I'm a history buff. Back in the day, they called this entrapment. Yeah. When the government, you know, talked you into doing a crime. It's called entrapment. It used to be illegal, I thought. Yeah, and I, I saw the know. Sean Connery movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't believe in entrapment. Um, so for that very fact, I believe the sentence should be lessened um, because I don't believe that it's that I don't believe in entrapment. I don't. I don't believe it's the federal government's job to uh, to, to to try to you know get someone to uh, commit a crime. And had that person not been wearing a wire and asked Joe if you wanted Carol killed, then um, you know. I, I just I just, I just can't. But he told it. everyone he wanted Carol dead. Sure, sure he did. Um, but I also tell everyone that you know, um, you know that, that I'm the biggest Beatles fan in the world. But um, I'm right. sure you guys yourselves could probably put me a shame on Beatles trivia. Probably um, we not. all say things. I love all, Joe. Joe's yeah. all 38 special all the time. <laughs> Hold yeah. on, mostly bitches. Wait, don't let go. Sorry. Now I'm gonna start. Uh, yeah, no. It's, it's it's just hard and then i'm not gonna lie there's just still a lot of emotions that that i have to deal with um to, and, and and it's just a lot to deal with but i just don't i can't i can't support entrapment yeah. um i just can't and that's why i believe that i'm not saying that the guy should be free tomorrow you know i mean he should at least sit in there for a good 10 years uh, maybe even 15 but maybe uh, maybe take seven off for the entrapment, and and I think that that would that would be a little bit more fair. And maybe send some of these other assholes in there with him. Absolutely, absolutely. Right? Like like Jeff Lowe and that that tubby bastard James Garrison. <laughs> yeah, Garrison's one of the ones that helped set him up. So right, right. Yeah. So some of these people are just as bad, if not worse, than him. All right, they, so they are. But I, I just, I just like, I gotta, I just gotta come back to, to, to this. Like, as we're seeing places like Chicago, Albuquerque, Portland, as we're seeing the federal government send paramilitary forces, unmarked, unmarked military forces, ripping people off the streets in un, in un, unmarked vehicles, mm -hmm. and, and, and our government, our government is doing this. So especially in that light, I really do have a hard time um, condoning what they did with Joe. I really do. Um, this is not this is not the definite like I said before. This is not the government I voted for. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think if Hillary Clinton would have won, she'd have done the same thing to Joe. Um, yeah. I think if Barack Obama would have, he would have done the same thing, and I would I, I would be equally against it. But I, but where are we in America? when it's okay for our own government to talk us into doing a crime. Yes, maybe we've talked about saying it before um, and, and say, oh, well, we want her dead or I want him dead. Now, I once said I wanted my fiance dead because he pissed me off. Does that mean I really wanted him dead? No. Does that mean I'm gonna kill him? Hell no, I love him. Um, so there, we, people say things, but does that give the right for the federal government to come in and say, oh, well, you said this, we're gonna get you to say this on tape and send you to prison. Um, I think it's a scary um, time in America when the federal government can just do this to you and get away with it and, and people aren't even talking about it. I think that's a really good, it's a good place to, for us to end the interview. Um, I, we have some Facebook questions here, but most of them I think we covered other than 
there, there's one person who asked about how uh, about compensation, and I am I am slightly curious not about your compensation, but did Joe make a lot of money there? Because there was a lot of I I, I can't. I kept watching these people drive new trucks, new things. Was there that much money in that place? He, he, I'm sure he was making a ton of money. Um, the, the thing about Joe and I'm glad of this actually, because it didn't get me wrapped up in any more of his impropriety uh-huh. is that if it had anything to do with money, it, it stayed with Joe and only Joe. Yeah. Like for instance, I was a campaign manager, but my name was not on the bank account for the campaign. Like that's how tightly he kept everything locked down. But yes, he made tons of money, tons of money, enough money to, you know, keep his husbands in pounds of weed at a time, um, ounces of meth at a time, um, all new vehicles, four wheelers, brand new guns, um, uh, everything. Yeah. Nice yeah. as phones, nice as everything. Live like he lived like a king, like the, the Tiger King. Truly, he truly did live like a king. And back to what was your Palpatine quote from Star All Wars? All who power are afraid to lose it. Even I can't. Exotic. <laughs> and I can't think of a better way to end an interview. Really, what I want to talk about now is what do you have coming on? What do you got going on? I know you're trying to do Cameo. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Can you tell us about your live tour? Because we really want to promote the hell out of it. We uh, actually probably need to. Are, are you on social media where we can connect you to some of our people who listen? Just go ahead, and give us the whole. Yeah, track. yeah. Um, I I suck at social media, so I've got I've got a Facebook, Joshua Dial. Um, I'm the only Joshua Dial that has maxed out friends. Um, oh, so I can't add you. That's so sad. Well, actually, I've left like 13 spots available, and then I lose supporters quite often when I go on my tangents about how the federal government's overstepping it and we need a new president um so That's there's probably no people are going to support that <laughs> there's there's probably plenty of more new spots um and, and of course i have to weed out the anti-gay and, and 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 of course the spies that are just on my page to try to you know cause me grief on certain Facebook pages, but uh, find me on Facebook. That's the best way. If anyone wants to contact me or anything, that's the best way to get a hold of me. But I have Instagram, um, just look up Joshua Dial. Um, and I have Twitter. Um, and, and then of course you can book me on Cameo. Um, I'm the cheapest, uh, cheapest guy on Cameo from Tiger King. Carol Baskett's asking $200 a video. I'm only asking 50 bucks a video. So you want me to say happy birthday? You want me to <laughs> happy anniversary you want a question that maybe you didn't get answered that you know i can answer i'll answer a question for you behind the scenes or if you're getting ready to quit your job i can say fuck the feds and by the way fuck you boss um i will literally have you done that one have you done that one no i'm waiting i'm waiting oh I i did have a cameo where where uh the guy was like um well this guy's gay too and he has a big schlong and so we call him uh because of the sound it makes when it's uh when it when it hits the table so i had a lot of fun in that one but i also clearly knew that it was a mean-spirited one right so i was like so eric would like me to say that he thinks that you're gay and he will told me you know so uh, you know I, i'm too nice a guy to just like no totally hilarious. someone to do one but but no i love doing cameos Helps me keep going. Um, and then January, um, which 
you know, if, if you live in, in a city with a casino, a venue of any type, um, theater hall, we're doing a Tiger King live show. It's going to be myself, John Rinky, Saf, and then Barbara that work for Doc and Tell. Um, us four, we're going to go on a speaking tour. Um, we're going to do behind the scenes stuff. Um, trust me, as crazy as some of the stuff I've said on this interview is, it's not even the tip of the iceberg. Um, no, I feel like I could have sat here and dug for two hours. And yeah, I, oh, oh, trust me, I have more material than two hours. Yeah, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, but we're going to be doing a tour, so we're hoping to hit a hundred cities. So um, you know, if you got a casino or like I said, a venue in town, let them know you want the Tiger King live show, and we'll be there. I'm super excited about it. I have yet to get to really see the whole country. Um, and, and I really want to speak truth to people because I think so many people were fooled and given a misconception and I will, I will drop this one piece of news. I can't say who, but some very prominent people are working on Tiger King part two. Really? Yes. And I've already done interviews for them. Really? Yes. But I can't say, I can't say what company's doing it, what directors are doing it, but it is coming. I know that the movie is also coming. Yeah, there is a movie coming, um, but but yes, there there will be a part two. Chad, can I ask the one the the most lamest cliche question of all time that I bet Josh has gotten four thousand times? Go for it. Who do you want to play you? I knew it. I, I, it's the easiest question on earth. But I couldn't. I couldn't. Now that you brought it up, I wasn't going to ask it. I didn't even have it written down. I, it's such a lame question, but who would you like well, to play? Well, the difficult thing is, is like, I'm sure you can tell I've lost like 50 or 60 pounds since I've uh -huh. Tiger King. Um, so if we're talking like, like Tiger King, Josh, I don't know. Um, but, but the slim down Josh, I don't know either. That's okay. <laughs> all I know, all I know is if, if, if I had to just like, like just pick anybody, it'd be Mark Ruffalo. Cause uh, he's sexy and he's, he's a, he's a fellow liberal he supports LGBTQ rights, and I love Mark Ruffalo. So, Mark, you're out there. I love you. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're not that famous. Mark isn't Mark isn't showing up for this. Well, we will tag you in this video. We will, uh, as far as, um, I'll send you some messages later on, as uh, especially when you get the tour dates kind of set out, and hopefully yeah. COVID allows all this to happen next year. Uh, I know it. Right, yeah. Yeah. Man, it has been an absolute pleasure, and I I didn't know how this was going to go, and I've had a blast. So thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, I did too. Um, no good. Yeah, good. thank you, Absolutely. Josh. Really appreciate yeah, it. No problem, guys. I'll I'll stop recording, then we'll talk for just one sec. Wasn't that amazing? That was something. That was awesome. Hey, we were recording this right after we recorded the intro, but we did the interview almost two weeks ago. It's all very confusing. I laugh, especially your concept of time, because it was oh, this past Lewis. weekend. Fuck you, Chad. I'm non-corporeal. <laughs> oh. oh, why is the Cisco unit corporeal? Chad's right. That's probably the most personal interview we ever did. I, I have by the way, and, and by the way, Brandon Griffith looks like a messed out Rick Moranis. There, I finally figured it out. He does look a little bit like Rick Moranis. Got a hold of some meth. Got a hold of some cheese. And I hope Brandon watched all the way to the end to hear this. I hope so too. So thank you so much, Mr. Josh Dial. We appreciate it. Uh, it's nice to now be able to call you a friend. You're welcome on Bonehead Weekly at any time. And for you all that enjoyed this, please subscribe, share, share that shit out of this show. 
thank you so much. And attend Scarefest. Yeah, yeah, you really should go to Scarefest. And actually, you should go to the virtual CyberCon that they're having in August as well. And and not to be confused with Decepticons. $5, and I may be there. Not to be confused with Decepticons. You can trust CyberCon. Grrrr. <laughs>